Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is our number two of the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and we've got a great hour for you towards the back half of it. We're going to be joined by Will Hill. He does a great job with the New York City cast right here at, at VEASAN. He also does a great job when it comes to a lot of our written work over there at Point Spread Weekly. List goes on and on. You've seen this guy all across the network, always brings it. We're going to have a great chat with him a little bit later on in the hour, and we're also going to be taking a look at some MLB futures as well because it is starting to be MLB season. Opening day is on Thursday. We're going to have you covered with a little bit of everything over here on VSIN. We've got our special in which you've got the Masters preview. That is going to be with Brady Cannon, Matt Humans, the entire Long Shots crew, Wes Reynolds as well. They got you covered there. I can tell you right now, I don't necessarily do a lot of golf, so you probably wouldn't want my master's picks. I would just tell you to fade Tiger Woods in every way humanly possible. I know that that's not probably necessarily something that you want to do. There's a lot of people that love Tiger Woods, so you probably don't want to be taking too many of those. So there's that, but we're going to have you covered with regards to Major League Baseball. That's something that I do a whole heck of a lot more of. So we'll give you guys some futures in the back half of the second hour here and when it comes to it, I mean, I'm mentioning baseball right now. We are seeing a transition of season. So I did want to take this next few minutes just to talk about being able to transition a little bit more because I know that some of you guys listening, much like myself, you do make a lot of your bones when it comes to college basketball. We've got the final game of the season on Monday. And well, pretty much for me with regards to handicapping, hey, is in the barn. Unless we wind up seeing some massive injury to Armando Baycott or something else, we wind up seeing some FBI sting that winds up happening Sunday night and winds up affecting the game on Monday, which never underestimate what might wind up happening with regards to the NCAA. But with that said, pretty much your handicapping work for the season, it is done. It is in the books with that regard. And many of you guys wind up experiencing this with regards to the NFL as well. And some of you guys might still be looking for other sports to bet on after the NFL season wound up wrapping up about a month and a half ago. And I always say this with regards to just transitioning seasons in general. Bets that are won during the season, like for me with regards to college basketball, this is between November and early April. For those of you guys in the NFL, it's pretty much September through February since that's when the Super Bowl is played. You're able to insert your favorite sports here. It's not necessarily done with regards to just what you wind up doing during the season, but you always want to have great prep work and you always want to be putting in the work during the offseason as well. 
Now, with some of you guys, you wind up jumping in day number one, week number one in terms of the NFL. For me, night number one with regards to college basketball. Some of you guys, you wait to get a little bit of a sample size, but even if you wait to get a sample size, it's not as if you wind up completely ignoring what we wind up seeing in the offseason. Like, if you're an NFL handicapper, even if you wind up jumping in like halfway through the season, it's probably helpful to know that Deshaun Watson is no longer with the Houston Texans. That would be something that would probably not be good. You want to be paying attention to these offseason moves with regards to college basketball. For me, it's all about the transfer portal. It is why many of you guys have listened to my college basketball podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops. Even though the last regular season game is going to be on Monday, I'll be keeping that podcast going all 365 days this year. If we were to have a leap year, it would be 366 days because when you wind up having that many teams that you're taking a look at, when you wind up having what was last year, 1,700 players in the transfer portal. And this year, I'm expecting there to be a few more. You want to be keeping up with this. Now, I always take a look at off-season research with any sport, whether that be for myself, it's mainly MLB and college basketball. For some of you guys, it might be college football. For other of you, it might be like the NBA that we know that the postseason is starting to ramp up there. Other of you guys, the NHL, you're able to just insert your favorite sports here. But I always say that, it's much like a research paper in that you don't want to be waiting until the last possible second to wind up doing your research on this. It is a case in which I'm sure that many of you guys have been in college before. I'm sure that some of you guys, you wind up just doing a little bit at a time and you wind up getting a good grade on some sort of a research paper, some sort of a group project, which don't get me started on college group projects because typically... Group project turns into, oh, this one person has to do everything while three people stand around and are like playing video games or something like that. I was going to use a worse reference, but we will call it the playing video games reference. But you wind up seeing that quite a bit. But with that said, with regards to just taking a look at things, you want to do things little by little. It's a case in which you don't want to overload yourself trying to do like 15 hours at a time, just taking a look at past year's stats, taking a look at off-season moves. That's probably not the way to go, but at the same time, you don't want to be asleep at the wheel. Wake up and it's like, oh no, the college basketball season starts in 48 hours and I don't know a single one of these 1,700 players that were in the transfer portal. Where did insert player here go? That would not be ideal either. For those of you guys that are taking a look at the upcoming MLB season, you did wind up getting a little bit of a late start with it. I was doing a lot of my advanced analytics research the last few weeks. And I've been during my time at like 3, 4 a.m. while watching some bad Hulu films, just taking a look at things that you wind up seeing last year, things that might be big for this upcoming season. And I mean, we still had a couple offseason moves like Craig Kimbrell having been traded from the Chicago White Sox, the LA Dodgers that wound up happening just a few days ago. It is a case of which you wind up having a little bit of a dead period with the lockout because no moves were really happening. You are able to take a little bit of a look at the stats from the previous season, but certainly you weren't able to do a whole heck of a lot of that. But it is a case of which you just never want to be truly out of rhythm with it, and you never want to be just putting too much of a bear on yourself. And I think that this is very important. Like for me, with my college basketball podcast, I've sort of got a system when it comes to the offseason. I wind up when the calendar winds up flipping to late May, early June. I wind up starting up more of my conference previews. You take a look at some of the smaller conferences in which you're going to have fewer moving parts with. And then these power conferences in which you're going to see a couple more transfers. You're going to see a couple more moves. 
some late commits when it comes to like the SEC, the Big Ten. You wind up holding off on those for a little bit later on down the line. And I think that's important to just have a little bit of a plan of attack, no matter the sport, because with the NFL, you could wind up doing it where you wind up taking a look at the NFL draft after the draft winds up wrapping up, because certainly many of you guys are going to know a lot about these guys are going to be going in the first, second round. And then there are going to be some of these guys in the seventh round that is drafted as like a special teamer in which it's like, yeah, I've certainly not seen as much film on him as say Kenny Pickett, for instance. That's when you wind up uh, want to dive into it. See, all right, is this guy going to be able to make any sort of an impact or not? And I think that that is very important to be taking a look at things as well, because I do think that there is a level of importance as well. And that's a big part of it as well. Try to sort of prioritize. Okay. What is the things that I absolutely need to take a look at first? We're going to use the NFL reference, for instance, I mean, a big thing with this off season is taking a look at how, Matt Ryan is going to be able to integrate with the Indianapolis Colts. This sort of protection that he's going to get. Deshaun Watson. For one, what in the world is happening with his situation as to how many games, if any, will he be suspended for this season? What is his protection going to be like when he winds up coming back? If Deshaun Watson is suspended, what is the understudy situation going to be looking at? Is that going to cause for Nick Chubb to wind up getting a couple more carries? Those are sorts of things that you want to be taking a look at and if you're someone that you'd like to be able to accrue a little bit of a sample size throughout the season before you want to want to wind up betting on it, these are the things that you want to be noting as well. Because if Deshaun Watson is suspended for, say, four games, six games, I'm just spitballing numbers at this point. We have no idea how long he's going to be suspended for. But if he is suspended for those first couple games, how do you wind up weighting those in comparison to the rest of the season? Because if you're looking to dive in after four weeks of the season, Deshaun Watson's suspension is four weeks. Well, the numbers that you end up having before you, obviously, they're probably not going to be truly representative of what the team is. And I think that that is something that you do want to be having a little bit of a game plan for just going into things. I always say this with regards to even in-game betting as well. When it comes to in-game betting, no question. You're going to be making adjustments on the fly. You're taking a look at how things wind up going about it. But it's not one of these cases where, with regards to in-game betting, you just flip on the game, you start watching, and it's like, oh, Team X wound up starting out four of 18 from the floor. Let's live bet them because we're certainly going to be seeing some progression with regards to their scoring. You want to have a little bit of a game plan going in, and I feel like it's this way when it comes to being able to transition sports as well. Like, we're going to be hitting upon some MLB futures here in the next segment. What CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. I've been spending my last few weeks on with regards to getting prepared 
for this upcoming MLB season is obviously some of the things that we wind up coming down in the offseason, some of the things that might not be as representative of what we're going to be getting this year, like how do you wind up taking a look at pitchers that wind up pitching in the National League versus the American League? Because as we know, National League pitchers, especially the starters, they wind up facing off against pitchers. Now, when you wind up getting like your ninth inning closer as well, the ninth inning closer is typically not facing off against the pitcher. So you don't have to make too many adjustments there, but you want to take a look at, okay, how many at-bats were against pitchers? How representative of it? Is it there? How much would a DH be adjusting things you wind up seeing? For instance, Camden Yards, where the Baltimore Orioles wind up playing, they wound up seeing some new ballpark dimensions. How much? How many of those home runs that were hit at Camden Yards last season would still be a home run this year? Did that wind up skewing things a little bit more? Is there actually going to be value on the poopy Baltimore Orioles? Or are the poopy Baltimore Orioles still going to be the poopy Baltimore Orioles? Yes, I like calling them the poopy Baltimore Orioles because it's just hilarious watching them lose 100 games every single year. Sorry, Baltimore Orioles fans. But it certainly is a case in which you want to be taking a look at those things before the season so that way the data that you have in front of you, the data that you're researching to get prepared for the upcoming season isn't necessarily an outlier and you're just winding up being like way off with regards to some of those totals as well. So I think that there's a lot of things to keep in mind and also keep in mind as well just what I was talking about a little bit earlier with time management. There's no need to be like barreling down 20 hours a day every single day, but don't fall asleep at the wheel as well. That's very important. And you're not falling asleep at the wheel when it comes to MLB. Coming up next, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a preview of the American League West right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's so finger licking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today, as it is a look at right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And it takes a team to be able to do a show quite like this. Got to give a shout out to everyone behind the scenes that does such hard work day in and day out. Jason Kahn. He is my wonderful producer for tonight. He's always riding along with Scott Seidenberg. He is riding along with me tonight as it is great to be in the chair for Scott tonight. And Jason does absolutely amazing work. So big thanks to him. And then you got my technical director, Andrew. He is a man that much like myself is from the great state of Wisconsin. Actually grew up about an hour away from where I wound up growing up towards the Green Bay area. So Andrew, always good to see him aboard Oliver. He's the guy that posts up all the hours that you wind up hearing on the VEASAN podcast with regards to anything that you wind up missing. So he's got a very important job and is always on the ball. So a big thanks to him. And then getting me set up on audio, Taylor. He always does an amazing job. Always gets everything on this show sounding amazing. I work with the best in the business. So big thanks to all these guys and their hard work for making everything possible because without them, well, you would not be having a show right now. That is for darn sure. And now, and it's time for me to follow through on my part of the bargain and give you guys some good information as we're going to be talking as well with Will Hill in about 30 or so minutes. He's going to be coming up. He does the New York City cast 
for us over here at VSIM Powered by Bet Rivers. We're going to be having a great chat with him. But here in the next two segments, we're going to be taking a look at some MLB futures as the season is coming up on Thursday. And we're going to take a look at the two Western divisions. We're going to start with the American League in this segment. Next segment, we're going to add a little bit more on the National League. And with the AL West, I think that it's very intriguing because I think that one of the biggest question marks coming into the season is the Seattle Mariners because you wound up seeing it last season. They were a team that they just defied everything humanly possible with regards to Major League Baseball because it was a Seattle Mariners team that up until the final week of the season, they were in the hunt for the postseason despite a negative 51 run differential. You just don't see it. It was a case in which every single one run game wound up going the way of the Seattle Mariners and there is a little bit of reason for it. I mean, some of it is luck. No way fans are butts about it. I think that even the Seattle Mariners themselves would tell you that they had a little bit of a charm season being able to get to 90 wins, but a big reason why they were able to do so is that they had one of the better bullpens out there in the major leagues. You wind up having guys like Drew Steckenrider, Paul Seawald, after the trade, Diego Castillo, be able to come through and do a solid job, and this is a little bit of a reworked team. They caught lightning in a bottle last year with Chris Flexen, a guy that really doesn't strike out a lot of guys, but had good command come in. He was a good fit with that ballpark out there in Seattle. Marco Gonzalez, after his injury, he was able to do a rock-solid job as well. So taking a look at this team, it is very intriguing. But the one thing that Seattle did not wind up doing a good job of last season was that they didn't have a lot of guys winding up getting on base. I will tell you right here, there's no locks with regards to sports betting or anything like that. But I think that we can pencil in Jared Kelnick did a little bit better than a buck 81 this year. Just one of the hottest prospects out there in the game. Actually, a man from the great state of Wisconsin. He is used to hitting in inclement conditions, things like this. And I do think that with having a little bit more footing under him, having a couple experiences up there at the MLB level last year, he should be able to take off a little bit more this year. Kyle Lewis, who is the rookie of the year in 2020, he wound up missing much of last season. He's back in the fold. You wind up adding Adam Frazier. You wind up adding Jesse Winker. So there's going to be added protection as well. And then Abraham Toro, who wound up being the biggest cog that the Seattle Mariners wound up getting in that trade of Kendall Graveman. He actually wound up playing relatively solid for the team. Now, do I think that they're going to be able to win the division from the Houston Astros? Heavens no. This is not a case in which you want to be taking a look at a little bit of a long shot future here because the Astros, if you're looking at DraftKings right now, they are minus 175. And quite honestly, I don't think that that number is too off base. Now, do I encourage you guys to lay a minus 175, have your money tied up for that long? No, but I don't think that you should be feeling too much in danger about that not getting there. Now, the Angels at plus $4, I think, is probably the worst bet on the board with that regard. I'll get into that in a minute. The Seattle Mariners are finding themselves at plus 450. And then at 15 to 1, you got the Texas Rangers. And at 50 to 1, you got the Oakland A's. And the Oakland A's, they're certainly going to be struggling a little bit this year. But I take a look at their win total. In a lot of places, you're finding it right around a 71. At last check at DraftKings, I was seeing it at a 71 and a half. I think that is a little bit too low you might wind up having a situation which there might be some trades with the Oakland A's and now I'm seeing it at 68 and a half so it's actually gone down even further and with regards to this Oakland A's team certainly it is a case which his team wound up having a big giant sell-off so Matt, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, both of these guys are now out of the fold for the team they are going to be rolling with Frankie Montas night number one for this bunch because he did wind up seeing some shakeups 
with regards to the starting rotation as well. Sean Manea, it appears as though, is going to be uh, the fold he wanted getting traded to the San Diego Padres. So no question that winds up hurting them a little bit. But you do take a look at some of these younger guys. James Caprillion wound up having a solid season for you. Whenever he didn't face off against the Seattle Mariners, because Cole Irvin against the Mariners last year wound up going 0-5, he was able to give you some solid innings. They wind up picking up Kirby Snead off the scrap heap with regards to their bullpen. Now, Lutravino in the closer's role was not good. In a 7th and 8th inning role, he was okay. Closer's role, that gives you a little bit of trepidation, but Deolis Guerrero is someone that's able to be relatively solid out there in the bullpen. They've taken a couple chances on guys like an Eric Thames, who has had past success, most notably with the Milwaukee Brewers, but Christian Pache should be able to do a solid job with regards to fielding out there in the outfield. Now, Lamont Loriano is going to be suspended for the first couple games of the season. That is going to be hurting this team a little bit. He wound up getting, I believe it was some sort of a suspension towards back half of the season. So that is going to be hurting this team. He wound up getting, I believe, hammered for drugs. So it's not necessarily too terrific right there. But even some of these guys, like an Alvis Andrews, you notice with the Oakland A's that they wound up having quite a few guys that their batting average that they actually got did not match up with their expecting batting average. So I do think that the offense is going to be a little bit better than expected. I just think that 68 is a little bit disrespectful for a team that they know how to be able to maneuver. They've got a good handle on logistics. Now Bob Melvin being out of the fold and now being with the Padres himself, that is going to be hurting this team a little bit. But I don't think that this team is necessarily chopped liver. Now, if you take a look at the Houston Astros, I just mentioned it. Playing minus 175 on them to be able to win the division. I just feel like it is not necessarily the world's greatest bet that you can make, although they certainly should be a favorite and a sizable one as well. But take a look at this Astros team, and you've got to be having them towards the top of the American League. They did a great job with regards to being able to shore up their bullpen a little bit more. Hector Neris is not necessarily a guy that I love, but having him as like a number two, number three option out there, along with someone like a Christian Javier, along with Ryan Presley, that is solid in. Justin Verlander is back for this team. As we know, Justin Verlander, he wound up starting like one or two games in 2020, was out all of 2021. You take a look at what he's been able to do here in spring training, and he has looked like the Justin Verlander of old. That is massive because when you're able to pair up, he, Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia was terrific at home. This team is the Death Star. And then you've got the lineup of Jose Altuve, Yuli Gurriel, Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker. Well, good luck to anyone pitching against this team. And what you love about the Houston Astros as well is the reason why they're so solid with their offense is that they just never strike out. In a day and age in baseball, which it's the three true results. You wind up getting a walk, you wind up getting a strikeout, or you wind up hitting the ball over the fence. This is a team that they've embraced just not wasting their at-bat, putting the ball in play. That is so important, and it's a Houston Astros team that they're very well managed by Dusty Baker, one of the true good guys out there in Major League Baseball. So I do think that this is a team that you're able to look at some upside with. I mean, when Fran Valdez is in all likelihood going to be your number three starter, that is relatively rock solid. And then you take a look at the LA Angels. Mike Trout is going to be back in the fold for the team, but you have to be a little bit concerned that Joey Otani wound up seeing a big dip in his production towards back of the season, was still solid on the mound, but you can tell that after the All-Star break, I was hitting nearly a 230. That was not terrific after Jared Walsh wanted to make it the All-Star game. I think that he wound up having three home runs after the All-Star game. That is a hot mess. You are going to be having Anthony Rendon back, but I mean, the Anthony Rendon contract at this point has been one of the worst that we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. And 
boy, we have seen some bad contracts in Major League Baseball. And then you take a look. Early returns have been solid on Joe Adele. I'll believe that he's setting fire to the rain when he actually does wind up doing so. Brandon Marsh is a dead bat in the lineup. David Fletcher, he barely hit above a buck 30 in the last month and a half of the season. Tyler Wade is a guy that you can't rely upon for good at bats. Matt Duffy, Jack Mayfield backing them up. These are dead bats as well. I take a look at this LA Angels team, and yes, you do have the top end talent with the team, but if you take a look at the second half of the season, they had the second worst offense in terms of runs per game, and they were in the bottom five in terms of batting average in all of baseball. Rossiel Iglesias is a closer that I like, but do you know what we're going to get out of Noah Syndergaard? I certainly don't, and they're gambling on him being their number two starter. So best of luck to the LA Angels, who once again do not have any sort of starting pitching outside of Shohei Otani. So, and if you take a look at the Angels, them being number two out there in the American League West, that's way off base. I actually do feel a little bit better about the Texas Rangers. I don't know if they're going to be able to overtake the Angels or not, but I'll talk a little bit about them on the other side, and we'll transfer into the National League as well. That is coming up next right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness every day. Choose from Wendy's stack starting lineup like the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And much like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven baked, sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a simply OJ to be able to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive through and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely and choose Wendy's as it is a look at with myself, Greg Pearson. Technically now it's April Madness because the calendar has turned to April, but with that said, it is going to be a tremendous title game. And coming up in about 15 or so minutes, we're going to be talking about things with Will Hill. We're going to talk a little bit about the title game. We're also going to be talking about what's all going down in the New York landscape as well because he does our New York City cast. Over here with VSIN, that is powered by Bet Rivers, does an absolutely amazing job with that. And here before then, we're going to be going out west as we're taking a look at the National League and American League West for this upcoming baseball season, giving you guys a little bit of a look as to what we're going to be getting there. And left off talking about how the Texas Rangers might actually be a little bit improved this year. Ever since they moved to the new Globe Life Park, things have been down with regards to the Texas Rangers offense. But I do think that the offense is going to be a little bit better this year. You take a look at Adolis Garcia last season, and he wound up being the team's all-star, and he wound up having a very good start to the year. And then I think that after he wound up having that good month of May, he wound up having something like, I think it was seven home runs in 60 games, just wound up going as cold as an igloo from the plate. He really didn't have a lot of protection. Now you wind up bringing in Marcus Simeon. That should be absolutely massive for the team, along with Corey Seager now. I do think that it's a Texas Rangers team that they've got some work to do when it comes to this pitching rotation. When you got 55 shades of John Gray, who's going to be your projected starter opening day, that's not terrific. They traded for Spencer Howard. When Spencer Howard is able to put together more than three good innings at a time, you let me know because this guy wound up having a 743 ERA last season. Command is out there. He wound up blocking right around five guys per nine innings. He wound up giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. Boy, oh boy, it's a hot mess with them. But 
you do take a look at the Texas Rangers, and I do think that the fact that they've got as much firepower as they do in the lineup, and they picked up Cole Calhoun as well, that could lend them to be a little bit more of a positive. I take a look at their season win total, and there might be a little bit of upside there. I don't think that it's a case in which you're going to be seeing the Texas Rangers in the postseason, but they were the worst offense in all of Major League Baseball in the second half of the season. I certainly think that you're going to be seeing a little bit more firepower there. Now the question becomes, can they wind up having the pitching come along for the ride? But you do take a look at the National League side of things with regards to the Western Division, and I think that the most intriguing storyline, obviously, is whether or not the Los Angeles Dodgers can be able to win the World Series because they wound up winning it all in 2020. A lot of people are calling it sort of a Mickey Mouse title and everything like that. I am of the belief that any title is a legitimate title. They had to wind up winning the games, especially in the postseason and in do-or-die scenarios to be able to get it done. I don't take anything away from them, but the big question mark with the LA Dodgers is, is the pitching staff going to be able to hold up or not? Because right now you've got Walker Buehler, who has been really a workhorse for this team. They wind up experiencing a little bit of a drop-off towards the last month and a half of the season, but you know what to expect there. Julio Rios was masterful. For this L.A. Dodgers team, he wound up leading the major leagues with 20 wins last season. A guy that wound up coming up clutch when they wound up having that World Series win in 2020, actually coming out of the bullpen in a lot of those games. And speaking of the bullpen, that's really the forte of the L.A. Dodgers. They and the San Francisco Giants were in the top three in terms of bullpen ERA all season last year. And a really good bullpen got even better a couple days ago with the acquisition of Craig Kimbrell who it looks like is going to be their closer. You've got Blake Tryon, even Phil Bickford wanted to give in the team some good innings pursuit or Gratterall. It's someone that's able to throw north of 100 miles per hour. If he's able to put it all together, that's going to be absolutely massive for this team. But you do take a look at this LA Dodgers team. It is a death star with regards to offense. Aside from one guy, Cody Bellinger, who I still remember a couple days ago in his last 19 plate appearances in spring training, he had punched out 14 times. And you just take a look at this guy's righty, lefty splits. I mean, they're terrible. He wound up hitting a buck 65 last year. This is a guy that's a former MVP, and man, has he fallen on some very, very tough times, to say the least. It has been absolutely deplorable what we've seen out of him, and it is really sad. I mean, you take a look at the way that he wound up hitting against left-handed pitching. 86 at-bats, he had 10 hits. That is a buck 16 batting average right there, kids. It's not really a case in which I think it's going to get a lot better. If you look at the advanced analytics, it does indicate that he got a little bit unlucky last year, but you take a look at what he's doing now in spring training, and he's actually gotten worse. I mean, boy, oh boy. This guy just cannot wind up getting right, and we wound up seeing it towards back half of the season with the Dodgers. The fact that the injuries wound up piling up, they're going to be relying upon guys like Tony Gonsolin and Andrew Heaney for starts, and Andrew Heaney is most famous for in the field of dreams, giving everyone their dream at the plate coming true with the home runs that he was giving up, so... That's not something that you necessarily want. Now he does pitch in a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly environment out there in Los Angeles, especially during the nighttime where things wind up setting with regards to the sun. You wind up getting some of those twilight hours, which that winds hurting the hitters, and then the ball just doesn't fly out as much during the nighttime. So that should be able to help out Andrew Heaney very much, a fly ball pitcher. But you take a look at the rest of this division, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be a cakewalk. I do think that the Dodgers should be able to get it done. We've got two really bad teams in the Colorado Rockies, along with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And boy, oh boy, you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks and you want a hot mess of an organization. 
I can't even start to take a look at the over with regards to their season wins. And it's sad because Zach Gallen is a pitcher that I like. Madison Bumgarner has been up and down, but he had flashes of brilliance last year. He had flashes of terribleness, but he did have flashes at times. And Merrill Kelly was actually a guy that you could back from time to time with regards to the Arabs and the Diamondbacks. But you take a look at this bullpen. Ian Kennedy, the ancient Mark Melanson, Noe Ramirez, Joe Manette Tipley, Caleb Smith. How are you going to be able to get any sort of good innings out of these guys? And you take a look at the lineup as well. Josh Ross wound up having some moments for the team, but at the end of the year, I believe that they wound up having two guys that had more than 12 home runs for them. This is very much a little bit of a case of which you could wind up having the pitching step up for them a little bit because, I mean, guys like Gallon, Bumgarner, they're going to be able to give you some okay innings. At some point, you need some form of power. You need someone to get on base for you, and you just don't wind up having that with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, the San Francisco Giants, they've done a good job of being able to play. I mean, obviously, they're not necessarily completely strapped for cash, but they've done a good job of being able to play a little bit of money ball with regards to their lineup. They wind up picking up a bunch of guys that were cast-offs at other places, and they've been able to do a solid job. Now, the one thing that you've got to know with the San Francisco Giants, no Buster Posey, and that was massive because the way that Buster Posey hits at the plate is very good, but just the way that he calls the game. Having a veteran presence in that locker room, I think that it's something that it doesn't necessarily show up on a stat sheet. It doesn't necessarily show up with regards to the final box score, but just those little things that he does is absolutely paramount. Now, Joey Bart is a very good prospect. I think that he's going to be able to have a solid year, but no doubt you're going to see a drop off with the San Francisco Giants. And I mean, that's noted with regards to their season win total. It's a team that wound up winning north of 100 games last season, and they won the division which is absolutely insane because I mean, there were times in which at the beginning part of the season, the San Francisco Giants were at like 101 at the South Point to be able to win the division. And the line had to get dropped because the South Point couldn't get a bet on the San Francisco Giants to win the division. And lo and behold, they were able to do so. Now you find their win total at 85 and a half. I think that this is too demonstrative of a drop because you've still got a team in which the bullpen was in the top five with regards to ERA. And a lot of these guys wind up coming back now. They have decided to roll the dice on one Carlos Martinez, which I actually don't hate it as long as you use him in the bullpen. As a starter, this guy was a complete and utter failure with the St. Louis Cardinals. But when you've brought him out of the bullpen, he's been able to do good things. And even if he doesn't wind up being able to materialize, Dominic Leon was good for the team. Zach Liddell is able to give you good innings. Jake McGee could be a little bit erratic. Tyler Rogers is one of the softest tossers that you're ever going to find. But the guy is command. Jarlin Garcia was very good in the postseason for this team. And you've got arms upon arms. This might be the deepest bullpen in the league. And then on top of that, even though you wind up losing Kevin Gosman, Kevin Gosman had north of a 3-5 ERA after the All-Star break. He was on himself. The real ace of this team was Logan Webb. Logan Webb had a stretch in which the team was 18-1 to in a stretch of 19 starts that you wind up having last season. And you wind up replacing Kevin Gosman with a guy that I would argue is a little bit better in Carlos Rodon. Rodon's issues has always been with ailments. If he winds up getting hurt, that could be a little bit of an issue for the team. But Alex Cobb pitched really well for Los Angeles last season. He comes in. His command has been a little bit better. He was able to really see an uptick with regards to his strikeouts. Alex Wood as a four guy. That's solid. Anthony DiScalfani wound up having a little bit of a career resurgence. And you've got pretty much everyone not named Buster Posey back 
with regards to this lineup as well. Obviously, Chris Bryant was a little bit of a rental, but Brandon Crawford, he was really able to find it last season. Evan Longoria was banged up for half the season last year. Him being able to get a clean bill of health is solid. Tommy LaSalle is always a guy that has a little bit of upside as well. So I do like the San Francisco Giants team over their win total and something else I like being able to talk to Will Hill. So how about if we do that next right here on the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We are spoiled this year on the opening day of the baseball season. You've also got opening day of the Masters. That's on Thursday. So that means the first week of April, we're going to be jam packed with betting intel from our experts. We'll have a breakdown of every single golfer in the Masters field, plus futures bets and matchups from the Long Shots crew, Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds along with Matt Eumann. Sign up today and you'll be able to get full access to VEASAN through the start of the baseball season, the Masters, and the NFL draft is just around the corner as well. That's all for just $19 and at VEASAN.com slash spring as it is a look at with myself, Greg Pearson. Great to be joined by our guest as Will Hill does a great job with the CityCast for the City of New York. That's something that we do here at VEASAN that is powered by Bet Rivers. He also is a big-time contributor for us with Point Spread Weekly and to be able to follow William. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hill on Twitter that is at not the Will Hill and Will great to have you aboard tonight thank you Greg what's up man it's been a while hope all is well it's uh it's a great time of the year with baseball starting NBA playoffs right around the corner and really you look at uh national championship tomorrow but these NBA playoff races especially in the east the seating is fascinating uh looks like Miami's probably going to be the one they beat the Raptors tonight but other than that uh Boston Philly uh in uh, the Sixers, as well as the Bucks, those three teams, all with 30 losses. Then the play-in scenario is fascinating. The Masters coming up, like you mentioned. So uh, opening day, it's just a, it's a great time of the year. I'm excited for it. Oh, absolutely. And how about if we start there with regards to the NBA, NBA as well? Because you just mentioned it with that Eastern Conference. It's going to be so intriguing to see what we wind up getting. Obviously, Suns, they're right now running away with the West End. Looks like the Lakers aren't even going to get into the playing game, which I just sit here and laugh because I think that we both agree the setup of that Lakers roster was not too terrific. And if you've been betting against the Lakers, well, congratulations. You made yourself some nice money and well, it's the move that you should be making at this point. But when it comes to East, I think that it's going to be such an intriguing race because 
I still take a look at the Milwaukee Bucks, the way that they've yeah. been able to round into form. I like the way that they're looking, but I mean, the Heat are most likely going to be the one seed that you mentioned. And then if the Philadelphia 76ers are able to get Joel Embiid firing all cylinders, we just don't know at this point with Ben Simmons. I think that you have to handicap as if he's not going to be in the fold at this point until we wind up hearing further. But I take a look at all these teams out east, and I think that it's really going to be a case of which you've got to be met. You've got to be gauging this series by series and matchup by matchup because you've got a bunch of evenly matched teams. Yeah, I'm with you on Milwaukee. I really, I think we're headed to a rematch. It's funny. Last year, the finals, it was kind of a fluky way we got there with Durant's toe on the line. Harden and Kyrie got hurt. Remember, the, the Nets buried them the first two games and almost won game three. You almost swept the Bucks. And Milwaukee comes back to win that series kind of in a fluky way. Hey, you give them all the credit in the world. They won it. But the other side of it, uh, Anthony Davis gets hurt. Kawhi gets hurt. Jamal Murray was hurt. So it's kind of a fluky finals in some spent in some senses, but uh, it looks like it's headed, you know, possibly to that again. And, you know, that's chalky, but you know, usually chalk prevails in the NBA. Uh, I do put Milwaukee, you know, ahead above these other teams. I just think the Nets might have to go through the double play in. They're a little small to begin with. Uh, Philly's got their issues in terms of shooting, in terms of defense. Uh, you just go down the line, Boston with the Williams injury in uh, Miami. Hey, they're going to be the one seed, but the one seed might draw you uh, the nets in the first round. So to me, Milwaukee with Giannis, who's probably still the best player in the sport, uh, you know, holiday Middleton, that's probably the most trustworthy team. So should make for a fascinating last week here with these teams, you know, trying to pick who they want to play, who they don't want to play all sorts of shenanigans going on this last week. Yep, and I take a look at the odds to be able to win the conference as well. The Bucks now find themselves at plus 250, the Nets at 3-1. to one. I've just been feeling like the Nets have been overvalued all season yeah. long. I feel like the Nets, I mean, they should be one of the top teams out there, but I think that it goes to the old mantra of you are what your record says you are. Now with the Nets, certainly they've got more talent than a team that typically would be finding themselves in the playing game, but I do think that they need to account for something. And even in the NBA, where you've got the most talented guys in the world, I think we see it a lot with regards to the Olympics. We see it in the NCAA tournament as well. The experience, being able to play together, that means something. And with the Nets, they just really haven't had a lot of consistency with this lineup being out there together. Yeah, and they're really small, too, and they struggle to get stops. I mean, I watched them. It was a couple weeks ago. I think it was the first Friday night of the NCAA tournament. They played Portland, which if you've been watching the Blazers, it's basically like a, it's been a bad, bad. elite team. <laughs> and, and Portland put up 123 points against them, and, and Charlotte lit them up last week, and they just struggled to get stops. That being said, you know, you could put Drummond out there with Durant, Dragic, you know, Curry, Kyrie. They got a chance to outscore you, but I just worry they're a little small. They're not great defensively. And, you know, they've been even par with Milwaukee in terms of odds. If you want to bet the Nets, just bet them series by series because they're going to have to go through one play in series. Hell, they might have to go through the double play and they might get the nine. It's probably, they're probably going to get the eight, but, you know, you're better off just playing them money line by money line, rolling them over, call them mechanical parlay, you know, six to one to win four series, maybe five series. When you count the play in scenario, that that's a lot to ask. I think that's, that price has been a little short around five, six to one all year. To me, I agree with you. Totally overvalued. I am an advocate of the rollover. So I am right there with you. Will. I do think that that's the best way to be able to take a look at it. If you're taking a look at the nets at all. And when it comes to the game of basketball as well, as we know, the big game that is going to be going down on Monday, that's going to be between Oh, wait, we don't have Stephen F. Austin playing. Gosh, darn it. Instead, we've got North Carolina versus versus Kansas. I guess that these are two relatively solid programs. And right now, a lot of places you're finding this line with Kansas being a four-point favorite. If 
finding a couple straight four and a halfs out there as well. I know that you've done a great job taking a look at the NCAA tournament as, at, at the NCAA tournament as the Peacocks of St. Peter's is a team that really captured your attention out there. But when you take a look at this game, how do you wind up breaking it down? Because even if we would have taken a look at this game just like two, three weeks ago, I feel like Kansas would have been a little bit more of a lofty favorite. And I do think that there needs to be a lot of respect paid to North Carolina, but I just take a look at the way that North Carolina doesn't play a lot of defense. And I think that it's going to be tough for them in this matchup. Yeah, it's really, you could look at it one of two ways. You could say Kansas is more rested. You know, they had that, they played the early window Saturday. They've had an easy path. They're fresh. Uh, they'll be ready to go or North Carolina. They're bloody. They're battered. They're tired. Uh, we could certainly look at it that way. And that's probably a fair way to do it. But I think people are going to play the results where if North Carolina wins, you say, well, obviously North Carolina is going to win because they have all the momentum. They're battle tested while Kansas, you know, look at the path they've had. They had a 16 seed, then a beat up Creighton, then, an, you know, an overrated Providence team. Miami had no business probably being in the elite eight. And then they face Nova without more of their second best player. So no, uh, Kansas had pretty easy path here. Uh, I don't think Carolina is going to be an easy out. Now the numbers probably right at four. I think at four and a half, definitely at five, I would be looking to take the points with the Tar Heels. Uh, you know, Cincy, uh, uh, UNC is a little like the Bengals, like Cincinnati in football, where if you just draw a line in the sand from the end of January on, it's like a totally different team. And you almost feel like you're betting against the magic carpet ride. And, you know, usually that magic carpet ride comes to an end at some point. But, uh, I, you know, I just, I like North Carolina here. I lean towards them getting the points. Uh, you know, they're incredible on the offensive glass. Love has been tremendous. Baycott, I mean, you go down the line. Uh, I think this is a down-to-the-wire game. I, you know, I lean towards getting the four. Uh, obviously, get the best number. Look for the four and a half. Not going to be a big bet, but I, I do lean towards North Carolina here. I think it's going to be really intriguing to see what we wind up finding as well because with regards to total, I think that you're able to look at it one of two ways as well. Kansas, yeah. they've allowed 65 points or fewer in eight out of their last nine games. And with regards to, you just take a look at the history of Kempom as well. Every single one of the champions that he has tracked, all of them have been within the top 35 in terms of defensive efficiency that has been adjusted for his metrics. Kansas, they certainly fit that bill. North Carolina, they do not. So I do think that the outlook of this game is very intriguing with that regard as well because we've seen a shift on this total from 153. Now you're seeing it pretty much cross the board at 152. You might find a stray half a point higher or lower, but contestants number right now, 152. I lean a little bit more towards the under just because it is a big spot. It's a little bit tougher to shoot in a converted football stadium. Not sure where you stand on this one, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of value here to the under with the way that Kansas has been playing on defense. Yeah, I would say if you like the under, play it pre-flop. But if you like the over, maybe wait five, six minutes. Like you said, there's some nerves. Maybe there's some careful possessions uh, early. You know, teams are more deliberate, that kind of thing. And you know what, maybe you get four or five misses in a row in, in the first few minutes, then you can jump in on kind of a depressed over. So uh, I think if you like the under, maybe bet it before. And if you like the over, just, you know, try to look for a better number in game. And again, you always have to worry about the foul situation at the end. So uh, if you do like the under, maybe a first half under is probably a better way to go. And I think that you bring up such a good point with that as well, because you even take a look at that Duke versus North Carolina game first eight, nine minutes of the game. Nobody could wind up hitting anything, and then the game winds up exploding from there. So if you wind up betting that over in-game, it was certainly much less of a sweat than if you wind up taking the closing 153, 154-ish that we wind up seeing. But something that is never a sweat, knowing that you're going to be able to provide on this show. Will, you always do a great job. You do a great job with the CityCast over there for 
Bet Rivers, that you do the New York City cast. You also do great work in Point Spread Weekly. So appreciate you joining me tonight. Thank you. All right, Greg. Good luck on the tournament, man. Appreciate it. Nice coming on. Thanks. Will is one of the best in the business. Always does a great job for us over here at VEASAN. So great to be able to get him aboard. And going to be very intriguing to see what we wind up getting from the New York teams when it comes to the baseball season as well. He's going to have you guys locked and loaded there. And in the final hour of the look at, we've got you locked and loaded as well. We're going to be taking a look at the college game along with the NBA with regards to basketball right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. The kid. The kid. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.